0: of right beliefs, and then because they should lead to right behavior, he's covering that now. But he goes even beyond that. Right beliefs should lead to right behavior. If you try to have right behavior without the right beliefs, you, you're gonna end up, you know, back in socialism, transgenderism, homosexuality, you know, the list goes on and on. You got to have right beliefs should lead to right behavior, but ultimately our goal is not just right behavior. Okay? Let me say this. Uh, God is not primarily concerned with your outward behavior. Okay? God is not primarily concerned with your outward behavior. Okay? What God wants is you. He wants your heart. And if he gets your heart, guess what he's got? He's got your outward behavior. So keep keep in mind when James, in fact, hold this page and turn to James one twenty two. Whatever Paul gets into application, don't disconnect that from right beliefs and watch you know, clearly, listen clearly to what Paul says, but in, in James one twenty two, James says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so too often, we look at a passage like that, and we act like, okay, in that one verse, James is saying everything that needs to be said on the topic. No, not, not necessarily. You read the rest of the book of James, and you'll see he's dealing with more than just our works. He's talking about taming the tongue. He's talking about getting inside and changing our hearts. So keep in mind, we, we had a, a young preacher preach the chapel at Cross Point, the Christian high school that I teach at, and uh, he did a really good job, but he really didn't tell the whole story. He was just like, look, you don't just be a hearer or a reader of the word. you got to be a doer of the word. But he acted like that's all there is to it. Study the word, hear the word preached, read the word, and then do what it says. End of story. Okay? But in reality, it's more than just hearing the word and doing the word it also involves a changed heart, okay? And so in the end, uh, what it's going to come down to, uh, you want to hear the word, you, you want to be a hearer of the word, a doer of the word, but then you want to be Christ-like, okay? So uh, you got to go beyond hearing and doing to being Christ-like, Okay? God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. Uh, now, now, keep in mind, I am not saying listen to your heart. God's word says your heart is deceitful. So it's not listen to your heart, listen to God's word, but then allow God's word and God's spirit to change your heart. So as Paul talks about applying God's truth, he's not, just, he's not talking about do's and don'ts. Christianity is not a list of rules and regulations. It's a personal love-trust relationship with God the Son himself who empowers you to obey God's laws from the heart. Okay? And uh, so never, uh, ever forget that. Uh, Think of Christianity and our walk with the Lord like a marriage. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5 that... The relationship of a husband and his wife is a mystery and is symbolic of the relationship of Christ and the church. Okay? And so think of your walk with the Lord as a marriage. When, when you're married, um, you'll say, you know what? Because I'm married, it's wrong to do this. It's wrong to be mean to my wife. It's wrong to do that. It's wrong to not do this, to not work hard, to take care of my family. But really, to have a healthy marriage, that relationship comes first. And it's like it's not like, well, I don't want to do bad things because I don't want to break those rules. It's like, no, because I love my wife, I will be faithful. Because I love my wife, I will treat her with respect. Okay? And that's the way, we, we, it's like because we love the Lord with all our heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory, and because we love our neighbor as ourselves, that enables us, empowers us to obey the spirit of the law, uh, not merely the letter of the law. Now let me say this, if you're not there in your walk and the Holy Spirit has got a lot more work to do, he's got a lot of work to do on all of us, but you're fighting it, so you you haven't uh, you're not even close to that pure heart. Hey, look, if you can hear the word, then at least do it. At least outwardly obey those rules. But just keep in mind, don't think you've arrived. None of us have arrived until we are completely Christ like, completely conformed into the image of God's son. And guess what? That's not happened until Jesus comes back. You realize even if you died right now and your spirit went to be with the Lord, God would still not be finished with you. Because God created you to have not just a a soul and a spirit, but also a body. And God's still got to work on your body and God's not going to complete the work in all of you, which includes your body, until that day when Jesus returns and raises you in the twinkling of an eye so your mortal body puts on immortality. So so keep in mind that that the Christian walk has got to be built upon love and that God wants to work uh, within our hearts. Now, um, it's going to start there in verse 12, Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, those who trust in Jesus for salvation, we are God's elect. God chose us In eternity, before anything was created, he chose those who would come to his Son for salvation through the the persuasion of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, were set apart, and beloved, were loved by God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You notice those things. those tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, that patience and endurance and perseverance, those are things of the heart. I can remember studying uh, Galatians chapter 5, and Paul lists the deeds of the flesh. And he lists all kinds of horrible, rotten, outward behavior. I said, oh, that, and I read that, I said, oh, that's nasty, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Now let me read about The deeds of the Spirit. And so I thought Paul's going to contrast the deeds of the flesh with the deeds of the Spirit. And then I went looking for the deeds of the Spirit, and it's not there. Instead, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So don't be outwardly conformed to the outward behavior of the world. What does God want? Oh, he just wants us to be outwardly conformed to God's laws. No, he wants us inwardly transformed so that we become Christ-like. More than hearing, more than doing, it's being. Being Christ-like. And, uh, and so that's why he talks about all that behavior, but, but there he says, put on these things. He, the, 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 when he says put on, it's like in verse 10. And ha- you have put on the new man. Okay, so you take off the old man, you put to death the old man, and you put on the new man. Uh, Hold this page and look at Romans 13, verse 14. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, verse 14, and here's the practical section of the book of Romans, and Paul says, uh, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill its lust. Don't even give an opportunity for your flesh, for your sinfulness, to work towards its sinful lust. Make no provision for that, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Paul tells us in verse 12 there in Romans to put on the armor of light. You see, you start to see a pattern here in Paul's teaching Ephesians 6, he says, put on the full armor of God. In Romans, put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians and Colossians, put on the new man. Okay? So when you put on the new man, it's supposed to be the new you who's being conformed to the image of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Hopefully there's some good things that can be said about me. But those good things are the changes that the Lord Jesus made in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And hopefully the same can be said for you. But we have to, when we put on the new man, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get back to Colossians 2, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God. Man, I'm I'm telling you, I've been there before. Okay, you know we're going to play a pick-up basketball in Essex County, New Jersey. Okay, and I'm standing around. I'm not only the only guy under six feet tall. I'm the only guy under under five and a half feet tall. Okay, so guess who gets picked last? Okay, but just to get picked, every once in a while, you got eleven or twelve guys and they want to play five on five basketball. Somebody's not going to get picked. Just to get picked, man. You watch guys, uh, college football players, they go through six rounds. I don't even know if they go through eight rounds now. But some guys don't get picked. Um, If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you were picked. You were chosen. Now, don't get a big head. It wasn't that Jesus said, man, oh, I can really... I can really benefit and gain something by electing, by choosing Bill Bickle. No, let me tell you something. We bring nothing to the table. You might say, well, no, you know, I got it." Boy, God could really use the talent that I have. No, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know? My flesh wishes, it said, apart from me, you could do very little. Because then I say, like, at least I could bring something to the table. No, you're trying to bring something to the table you're trying to reoffer Cain's sacrifice. We've got nothing to offer our king. You know what he says? I've chosen you. Trust in my son Jesus, and um, I'll make the changes that need to be done. He gives us these commands, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them uh, all that I taught you. We can't do that. So he commands us to do something we we're not capable of doing, but then he empowers us to do it. Okay? He makes the changes so that we are capable of doing what he's called us to do. And uh, so let, let's look at Colossians two twelve. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, beloved by God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I don't know about you, but there's... When I woke up this morning, I don't think that would have been a good description of me. Okay? So I don't care if it's in, it's in an early morning or late in the evening or during the day when I'm getting tired and stuff like that. Um, no, you know, no, nowhere does it say, you know, put on, you know, grumpiness. It's, just, it's not there. Yet we're grumpy. Okay? we got to be like Jesus. So as the elect of God, as the chosen ones of God, wholly set apart from the world for God's holy purposes, loved by God, we need to put on the new man, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on the full armor of God, put on the armor of light, put on tender mercies. Are you merciful? Kindness. Are you kind to others? Humility, are you humble? You might think, you know, there's there's some of you here could probably list ten pages of accomplishments that the Holy Spirit has used you to accomplish for his kingdom. You better remember, it was done through his power, for his glory, and if you want what you deserve, it's called hell. So you better be humble. And, um, um, Meekness, meekness is, is like, it's, it's power, but it's controlled power. So you don't blow up at the, at the uh, you know, every little thing and you just blow up and, and all this. No, it's like, okay, there's injustice and God's calling me to, he brought this to my attention. He's calling me to pray about it and he's calling me to do something. I'm going to use the strength that God has, has given me for that which he's called me to do. So the meekness, it would be a description, uh, would be the way in biblical times they described a the horse that was broken. The horse is still powerful. You know, I'm a city boy. You don't, don't, even, don't put me anywhere near a horse, even if it's a broken horse. I'll do something stupid, you know, and get hurt by it. The, but the, the, the power of that horse is controlled. So... Now, instead of that horse having all that power and all that speed, doing stupid stuff, you can now ride that horse and um, and accomplish great things because of the meekness of the horse. Let me tell you, some of us, some of us, we're just not humble enough. You know, I'm not going to name names, and uh, but I mean, early in my walk with the Lord, I wasn't broken. Okay? I was still a wild horse, a wild horse who got saved, but it's almost like uh, it's almost like God takes some of the wild horses that get saved and puts them in a pen and says, uh, well, you know, I want to work on them, but they're too stubborn. Keep them in the pen with the other wild horses till they're ready for me to start working on them and breaking them. I hope and pray that we all reach a point where we're broken before God. We're humbled and we can say, it's not me, Lord. It's not me, it's all about you. What did John the Baptist, when, uh, you know, suppose suppose Jesus opened up a church down the block and all of a sudden we're losing people. They're going to Jesus' church. Okay? Would I have the intelligence and the priorities that John the Baptist had to say, no, that's good news. He must increase, but I must decrease. Okay? We need to be meek. We need to be humble. We need to be long-suffering. Be patient with others. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has to complain against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We'll talk a little bit about forgiveness here in a few minutes. But of all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, okay? When you look at the uh, fruit of the Spirit, and then you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which describes love, they're almost identical. So it's like the fruit, all the other fruit of the Spirit flows out of the fruit of the Spirit called love. And so we'll talk about that. Verse 15 and, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you were called in one body, one body of believers, and be thankful. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can be real grumpy when things don't go my way. When we have car problems, when we have unexpected bills, just when I thought, wow, I got a little bit of my savings, then I find out, oh, no, now I got to empty my savings and, and fix my car, you know? I got to be thankful. Okay? Um, I wouldn't want to be homeless, but if I had to be homeless and had one little bland meal a day, I should be thankful. Why? Because Jesus won heaven for me and I deserve hell? I mean, you want, to, you want to know where the most ungrateful Christians live in this world? Called the United States of America? Okay? We, we just think we're doing, you know, pretty good because we keep comparing ourselves to the non-believers in California and New York City. And uh, anybody could do, you could play that game all you want. You can say, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not as bad as Hitler or Stalin. Um, well, compare yourself to Jesus. And how do you look? Not too good? Well, then you got to put on the new man. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But we got to be thankful. Verse, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms. Like we read the psalm in the morning. The early church used to sing the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They were the new songs they were writing. The hymns or the creeds that were sung or recited in the early church, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay? I don't know if you walk around under your breath singing praise songs, but you should. Okay? And you might say, well, Pastor Phil, I'm, I'm, I'm always singing off-key. Don't worry, by the time it gets to heaven, it's, it's going to sound pretty good up there. Okay? And uh, verse 17, um, that's like my my niece, her little daughter, man, she was belting out some song. I couldn't even make out the words. How old is she? She'll be three, three, so she's still like two and something. And she was convinced, whatever song it was, some kind of popular song, and she was belting out. I couldn't even make out the words, but she was convinced she was singing good. Okay? (laughs) She was totally confident she was singing good. And I'm telling you, um, you can listen to it for a couple minutes and get a good laugh, okay? But you couldn't live, you couldn't be... If you played that all day, you'd, have, you'd be institutionalized by the end of the day. I mean, it was just... It was, it was loud. It was bold. Um, uh, I mean, I to, to say it was like out of key, I don't even know if there were any keys in there. And uh, yet, why did her mama post it? Because it sounded beautiful to her. Mom... And her mom knows, you know, we're not going to try to book concerts right away. Um, but, um, but just to hear her daughter belting that out, it sounded beautiful to her. That's the way uh, when we sing praise and worship to our king, to our God. By the time it gets into the throne I'm telling you, by the time it gets to the throne room of God, Praise singing by Phil Fernandez sounds pretty good, okay? Right now, you know, you're sitting down, it's like, what is this, Lieutenant Colombo or something? I mean, this guy, was he gargle with gravel? And uh, um, let me tell you, when you're praising the king and giving him the glory, don't, don't worry about how it sounds to you or other people. You just praise the king. Why, why do you praise the king? Because you were created to praise Him. Okay, so you sing with the boldness and uh, and the, the confidence of that little girl, my niece's daughter, and let God worry about how it sounds. Okay, but you were created to praise Him and, uh, and so that's what you do. And um, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's, let's break these, these verses down here. First thing here, you know, it's talking about love, being put on love, and uh, love being the bond of perfection, okay? Uh, you know, Paul could say in First Corinthians 13, if you have all the gifts, but you don't have love, you're a clanging bell. You're wasting people's time. Everything's got to be built on that foundation of love, okay? And we're loved by God. But then we're told here in this passage, that uh, we're to be uh, loving. We're chosen by God, set apart for his holy purposes. We're loved by God. But if we're going to put on love, we got to know what it is. The opposite of love is not hate. Okay? The opposite of love is not hate. You might like something, or you might ha- hate something. I don't like beats. I hate beats. okay? Uh, but love is not the opposite of hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. And we live in such a selfish culture that when probably 99 out of 100 people are talking about love, they don't even know what they're talking about in the country. Okay? And that has infected the church. Okay? Uh, people say, well, God's word says that we're to love others as we love ourselves. So God's commanding us to love ourselves. No, no, God knows we're already experts in loving ourselves. We already do love ourselves. We do that fine. Okay? Now, and this is very sad, even people who are suicidal, if they, hate, if they hated themselves, they would be glad that they're going through miserable times but because they love themselves they want to escape those sufferings and they choose a very very wrong way to do it okay so we're already experts at loving ourselves so jesus is saying look you're an expert at loving yourself you don't need any help with that now what i'm all I'm asking is that you love me you love god with everything you got and you love your neighbor as you already love yourself okay So, uh, the opposite of love is selfishness. See, what love is, love is the unconditional seeking. You don't expect anything in return. Unconditionally seeking the greatest good for others. Okay? Love is unconditionally seeking the greatest good for others. So, you know, that means that, you know, you got a, a relative that you really, really love. And you're going to seek the greatest good for them. So even though you're kind to them and you're nice to them, if they're not saved, you're going to pray that they get saved. If you've got an open door, you're going to share your faith with them. You know, sometimes you share your faith with your relatives and they throw a demonic fit. And so you have to just say, okay, all I'm going to do is just pray for them and love on them. They know where I stand, okay? But seeking the greatest good means, you know, we, you realize we're commanded to agape, the Greek word is agape, to agape love even the horrible, evil terrorists of this world. So we're to hope and pray that they will turn their lives over to Jesus and get saved. And we also got to pray for God's justice. If there's some terrorist blowing up women and children for their political purposes, yeah, but i pray, Lord, I pray that this guy comes to your salvation uh, before he dies, but uh, I pray that the good guys get him real quick before he can kill anybody else, okay? So God is just and God is gracious, and they don't contradict, okay? Um, But but love is unconditionally seeking the greatest good for others. Uh, You could see... A daddy um, hugging his little girl at a restaurant or at Walmart, and that's an expression of love. But you might see a daddy spanking his little girl in a Walmart. I don't recommend it nowadays because they'll get child protective services involved. I mean, there's you know you don't want to abuse a child at the same time. The government does not love your children as much as you do, and um, uh, but even seeing a, a, a daddy discipline his child—that's also an expression of love. Because love doesn't always look fun, but it's the unconditional seeking the greatest good for others. Your child is about to lick uh, uh, something electrical. Uh, or touch a hot stove and you pull them away and spank them so they won't do it again. It's because you love them. Okay? Um, and so love is unconditionally seeking the greatest good for others. If we're going to put on love, we've got to seek the greatest good for others. And you know, you know what that means, though, sometimes? Sometimes that means I'll sit down and talk with a guy who's a total stranger and I'll share the gospel message with him because I love him. But you know what else love means? Sometimes I'll start talking to a stranger and I'll realize the Spirit of God is letting me know this guy's not ready for the truth. And so I'll just love on the guy. I might be the only Jesus he's ever going to see. I'll just love on him and then pray for him. Um, But the guy might not be open to it. There are times when I don't share the gospel with somebody because I think the Holy Spirit is telling me you're going to push this guy further away from the truth. And um, so, you know, on the night Jesus was betrayed, uh, Doubting Thomas said, show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Later on that night, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, asked, what is truth? And Jesus didn't answer. Because one guy was ready for the truth, was ready for the answer. The other guy wasn't. Is why I say, start your day. Get filled with the Spirit. God promises to fill you with His Spirit where He controls you. The Holy Spirit controls you. Start your day with devotional study of God's Word and with prayer and with worshiping God. And then as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it will become natural to walk in the supernatural. Okay? Because sometimes God is telling you, preach it, brother, Preach it. And other times, God is telling Phil Fernandez, shut up. What are you trying to get this guy to blaspheme the Holy Spirit right here and now? And, uh, but I, I tell, I used to tell people, God bless you. Then when COVID came on, everybody was afraid of COVID. So I say, God bless you and be safe. And I really don't mean be safe from COVID. I mean, I don't want people to get COVID. He's had a f- friend who died from COVID. Um, but when I say be safe, I usually mean be safe from the government. Because I don't think the government loves us. Not that it ever did. But, um, but I say, God bless you and be safe. And the response of the person usually lets me know if I got a, a green light, which means go. Just give them the gospel. A yellow, proceed with caution. Or red. Okay? And then I say, hey, hey, God bless you and you be safe. And the guy goes, Yeah, you too. You know, sometimes the McDonald's guy, you know, really lets me know. You know, uh, I was like, okay, this is what it feels like to be a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness knocking on somebody's door. And, uh, but whatever the case, um, um, we got to seek the greatest good for others, expecting nothing in return. Uh, We're chosen by God and set apart for his holy purposes, and we are loved by God. The day could come when America could become like many nations on this planet, where they might beat you up for preaching the gospel. They might throw you down, kick you a few times, and then lock you up in a little cell in solitary confinement, and you know what? You could be laying in a puddle of your own blood, and you could feel like, feel like saying, nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you are loved by God. Don't ever let anybody convince you that nobody loves you. Okay? It's, no matter how bad things get, there's three persons who love you, and they are the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know what? In the end, they're the only three that matter. Okay? And so if you're, I would rather be loved by God and hated by the world than loved by the world and not chosen by God. Not be one of his children. Not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're loved by God. So we need to put on the new man. Okay? And uh, we need to, to have the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians five twenty two and 23. In fact, let's turn there real quick. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So after going over the outward deeds of the flesh, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and by the way, he says that the deeds of the flesh, anyone who practices such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You could, tell, you could tell me you're a believer, but if you live in willful, habitual sin and have no desire to repent, okay, after a while, I'm like, I'm thinking, hey, this guy's... This guy's not even saved. Um, true saving faith produces good works. Verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, apple trees bear apples. What does the fruit bear? Or does the Spirit bear? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. You know, do you have God's joy? Joy, joy is something you have even when things go bad. You can sing praise songs at, at midnight with Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Joy means you you got the eternal perspective. You know you're going to spend eternity with God. Okay? And uh, so it's not happiness, a roller coaster, happy when things go my way, sad when they don't go my way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says, against such things there is no law. If you have those things, there's no godly law. No good law that would be against it. Now, b- by the way, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to get in trouble in America today. When a culture declares war on God, it declares war on his truth, and it declares war on, on, on his morality, his moral laws, okay? Okay? But there's no godly law that would be against any of those. But that, that, if you're looking for a, uh, you know, you shouldn't make a to do list. You should make a to be list. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to do this, do that. Now, if God's called you to do something, put it on the list and get it done. But what's more important than a to do list is a to be list. Am I being loving? Am I being joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle? Am I being a person of self-control? So your report card is not a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a whole bunch of be this and be that. Why? Because we put on the new man. Because we put on the full armor of God. Because we put on the armor of light, because we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not I who live, says Paul, but Christ who lives in me. Okay? And and so uh, we need to put on the new man and display the fruit of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work his fruit through our lives. Are we people of compassion, kindness? Are we humble and gentle? And patient, do we forgive others as Jesus forgave us? Look at Ephesians 4.32. I want to talk a little bit about forgiveness here. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Paul says this, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you you you, you might say Lord I don't want to forgive this guy this guy did me wrong he didn't deserve to be forgiven let me tell you something you don't deserve to be forgiven by God and so you got to forgive means you choose to cancel someone's debt that's what forgiveness means Look look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And in the the our father the pattern for prayer. Matthew 6 verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's like, Lord, forgive me my debts as I am forgiving others. What if you're not forgiving others? Jesus says in Matthew 7, the very next chapter, that you're going to be judged by the standard you judge others. So you don't forgive others, guess what? God's not going to forgive you. Now, if you're saved... If you're a genuine believer and you're saved and God has won heaven for you through the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection, you still need to be forgiven to be back in fellowship with God in your walk with the Lord. A man still reaps what he sows. And you can create all kinds of disharmony in your walk and lose eternal rewards. So you say, Lord, forgive me just like I'm forgiving others okay now if the infinitely perfect god forgave imperfect people like us what right do we have to withhold forgiveness from other imperfect people like us okay god forgave us we need to forgive others after after the our father there jesus points out in verses 14 and 15 For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I think what Jesus is saying there is one of the signs of a true believer is you're willing to forgive. Okay? You are willing to forgive. Now, God's Word commands us to forgive others when we accepted Jesus' forgiveness this is very important when we accepted Jesus' forgiveness we gave up our right to withhold forgiveness from others I'm going to repeat that again when we accepted Jesus' forgiveness we surrendered or gave up our right to withhold forgiveness from others we ought to say man that guy wronged me But who am I to withhold forgiveness from him? God forgave me. He gave me heaven when I deserved hell. What right do I have to withhold forgiveness from others? Now, let me say this, though. Um, This is also very important. God commands us to forgive. He doesn't command us to be stupid. Let me repeat that. God commands us to forgive. He doesn't command us to be stupid. Okay? Let's say, let's say, um, let's say my cousin Rocco decided, he was the son of my, one of my two Uncle Roccos, um, but let's say my cousin Rocco wants to come and visit Washington state and he needs a place to stay and we let him sleep in our living room and uh, and then I find out my cousin Rocco he's a lot younger than me and he's abusive so he's constantly like hitting me and whooping on me and he's eating all of my food and he's not paying his own way or anything like that. Well, God commands me to forgive him. Okay? But he doesn't command me to be stupid. So I forgive him, and I let him know, I forgave you. For all that you've done to me, I forgive you. However, you need to leave this house. Me and my wife are not going to live in fear of you. You're not going to eat all our food. You're not going to abuse us okay um, there there are ladies married to abusive husbands. They need to forgive their husbands, but that doesn't mean that the lady should allow the guy, the husband to stay in the house to continue to beat on her Amen. okay um, and so um, if you're lending money to somebody this is, I had a question from a Christian brother who had a lot of money, but he he, he had like his mom had. Kids from like six different guys and the fathers never stayed with her and um, and so he, he met his father but his father was like a, a homeless uh, alcoholic and he kept borrowing money from him you know, $1,000 here, $500 there a couple thousand there and he read he looked and he read in uh, the Sermon on the Mount where if someone comes to borrow and doesn't pay back if they want to borrow you just keep lending Okay? And so he asked, you know, he wants to borrow more money? Should I just keep lending to him? And I told him, You've got to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants you to be willing to give all your money away if that's what God's called you to do. What God is not asking you to do uh, is to enable your father and his sinful alcoholism. Okay? And so because he loves his father, I told him, you've got to tell him no. you got to tell him no. And it's not about you and your money. It's about your dad and his future. Okay? Uh, he probably never ever got paid back. He forgave the debts that his dad had to him. But that doesn't mean that God was calling him to be stupid and to just keep... Throwing all the extra money that he had to uh, uh, support his dad's uh, drinking problem. Okay? So keep in mind, God commands us to forgive. He doesn't command us to be stupid. Um, I had a uh, Christian brother that butt heads with me and told me that God called him uh, to be my spiritual father and that I need to submit to him. And I told him, uh, uh, leave me alone, and uh, I didn't get the memo. Okay, and um, and I forgave the guy, but I was also smart enough to know he needs to minister on one side of Bremerton, and I need to minister on another side of Bremerton. I forgive him, but I need to stay apart. There's got to be some distance between us. Okay, so God commands us to forgive. Um, He doesn't command us uh, to be stupid. Okay. And um, a lot of people say uh, forgive and forget. So if you haven't forgotten, you haven't forgiven. When the the Bible says that that God says that I will forgive them their their sins and their iniquity, I will remember no more, that's metaphorical language. God is not capable of forgetting anything. If God forgot something, he wouldn't be all-knowing. So that's just symbolic language. So what that means is when we forgive others, we treat them as if, you know, we don't hold it in account against them. We treat them as if we actually forgot about it, but we really didn't forget about it. If some guy did you wrong and you lost your leg because of it, you can forgive him. But every morning when you wake up without one of your legs, you'll remember what he did. But you choose to cancel the debt. Okay, so there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, who are too hard on themselves because they think i haven't forgiven the person because i don't forget. No, there can be memories that hurt, and you turn them over to the Lord, but you choose to forgive, you choose to cancel their their debt, and uh, but we need to put on love. it's true love that unites believers in Christ. It is true love. From which all the fruit of the spirit comes, we let God's peace rule our hearts, rather than our circumstances determining how we're going to quote unquote feel today. Okay, um, we we trust in the God. Don't trust in your circumstances. Trust in the God who is in control of your circumstances. Anything that happens to you, good or bad, God had to allow it. And um, so let God's peace. We can have peace in God, let God's peace rule over our hearts. We're members of one body. We need to be at peace with one another and forgive one another. We need to be thankful. No matter how bad things get, we deserve hell. Jesus won heaven for us. Uh, We need to be thankful. Let Christ give you his wisdom, not the deceptive wisdom of man. And so we need to teach Take God's wisdom and then teach and admonish and warn one another with God's wisdom, singing psalms, the Old Testament psalms, songs accompanied by stringed instruments, and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. I'm telling you, there ought to be a song in your heart. Right now, when you're on a job site and your boss is treating you like trash, there ought to be a song in your heart. If you get fired and you don't know where your next meal's coming from, there ought to be a song in your heart. If you get solitary confinement for preaching the gospel, you better sing praises to Jesus. Amen. Okay? Um, I remember when I first got saved, I used to hum songs
1: when I was in the Marine
0: Corps. I was walking back to my barracks, and I remember it was like... Uh, one one song we used to sing in the old Catholic Charismatic Movement. I got saved in the Charismatic Movement. It took me a couple of years. I realized I needed to get out of the Catholic Church and, and some of the charismatic stuff they were doing was out to lunch. But I can remember walking and singing uh, under my breath, you know, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And I just... It was just just normal for me. Why don't I do that anymore? Maybe I need to look at Ephesians chapter or Revelation chapter two and three. The Church of Ephesians lost their first love. Maybe I ought to have that song in my heart again. Now keep in mind, as a new Marine, I was walking and I remember I was just just humming all these and Christian songs that I was learning. And then, But then I was also humming under my breath. And I thought, wait a minute. That's not one of the praise songs. It was the old uh, Schaefer jingle. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. And so, so, you know, worship God, not just worship God with your mind too, okay? Make sure it's praise songs that you're actually singing. And... Um, we ought to have that song in our hearts. People, non-believers, ought to see that we have the joy of the Lord. We shouldn't have to tell them. Do you know I have the joy of the Lord? They said, "Wow, I would have never guessed it." You're such a grouchy guy. I didn't know you had the joy of the Lord. And and, and it doesn't mean pretend, fake a smile. Hey, we're born again. We're saved. We're chosen by God. We're his beloved children. Okay? And, um, and then we get grumpy. No, we need to be thankful, and we need to be singing praises. We need to do everything in Jesus' name. That means do everything in his authority and for his glory, and always give thanks to the Father. And so what we saw here today and last week It's put to death the sinful desires, put to death the old man, put on the new man, okay? Put on love. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he saves us, produces the new man and the new lady, okay? But the new man is also going to produce, guess what? New families, and new relationships with others, even work relationships with others. And so Paul's going to talk about that, about the new, the new man. Now he has a new household, a new family, and new work relationships. Because when Jesus comes into your life, he changes everything. Not just you, but your family and your dealings with others. And so we're going to see how that is applied. And so I close with that. Put on love. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the new man. Put on the armor of light. Let the right beliefs that you learn from God's word lead to the right behavior and ultimately a pure heart a cleansed heart, and uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord, but uh, please help us to love you more. We love you a lot, Lord, but not enough. And so empower us by your Spirit to put on the new man, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and to love you with an undying love. Empower us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Empower us to love and to pray for even our enemies, even those who persecute us. And cause us, through the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, Bear your fruit in our lives so people can see that we have the joy of the Lord. So that people can see that we have your peace in the midst of trials. So that people can see that we have your love. And we have taken the love that you poured within our hearts and we pour that out to others. And so make us people of love people of joy, people of peace, spirit-led people, believers who trust in you for salvation, but also allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our hearts, to change us from within, to make us more like Jesus each and every day. Lord, the world's had enough of Phil Fernandez. The world's had enough of us. But the world needs more Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that it is not us who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. May Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, change our hearts and produce the fruit in our lives that he wants produced. Cause us to love you, Lord, with everything we got, to love our neighbors, ourselves. Cause us to lead people to Christ and to disciple them to be all that you called us to be through the Holy Spirit's power and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, God bless you everybody and uh, don't forget about the studies throughout the week and uh, have a great rest of the rest of the day. God bless you.